0: Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the World of Words Foundations, a different kind of homecoming. It is our first season, and in our first season, we'll be talking to people who've been abroad, studied abroad, lived abroad, and how they can actually bring the two cultures together and tell us about how... It's changed their life story and how they've become who they are today. Today we are talking to Miss Mohammed, Miss Londeka Mohammed. Um, you have another name, actually, Londeka, right? Um, yes, I
1: do. Hi, everyone, and thank you first of all for inviting me, Tato. Um, I really believe that this initiative that you're starting is really gonna change a lot of people's lives, and the conversations are gonna be insane. So, thank you for having me on. Um mm-hmm. yes I do have another name Nokolo oh, <laughs> that's my middle name
0: <laughs> no apart from Nokolo there's one that starts with a L and I yeah it's 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 actually
1: a a, a name that I picked up when I was changing religions <laughs> in my very early teen years I was about 16 mm-hmm. years old the church had um traumatized me a little bit and I wanted to find another spiritual house you know um that was before my atheist, um, you know, evolution, I sort of evolved mm. into an atheist from there. Um, so when I was about 16 years old, I decided to try out Islam. Um, I made a few mulanas, you know, found out about the religion, studied a little bit, and then I decided, okay, I'm doing this. So when you convert into Islam, they give you a name, and the name that that mulana gave me was Laika. So Laika. for a
0: minute, yeah for a minute you Like um, wanna oh. what i've been saying how i've been pronouncing that so i actually i'm not even gonna say it
1: <laughs> actually because of the way it's spelled like it's spelled E Q A H, a lot of people come up with the funniest like ways to say it it's well, so it's crazy it was actually really more funny than it was you know offensive at that time <laughs> i have a lot of fun with people trying to twist their tongues trying to pronounce like <laughs> it was crazy
0: So right now you are in the KZN, in Howick, right? Yes. Yeah. How long have you
1: been back in South
0: Africa? Sorry, can you repeat that? How long long have you been back in South Africa? Oh, I have been back from the
1: 20th of December, 2021. I made it just before Christmas, much to my mother's joy, (laughs) because I think she was about to disown me. (laughs)
0: I'd
1: missed two Christmases. So, yeah, um, I got here just in time for, for, for Christmas, 20th of December.
0: So the reason you were actually very relevant for uh, a different kind of homecoming is um, because you've been so far away from home for over two years, you were in India. Nice. Right. So um, so you descended in India. Né? Where did you land? What was your first impression? And as a South African, um describe the culture shock and what it, what made it easy for you to acclimate
1: um okay great that, that that that's actually a wonderful question um the first time this was my second trip to india tato you see so it wasn't the first time that i would gotten this so i'd already had sort of an experience of india prior to me landing in bangalore the first time i went um was for one of my very good friend's weddings um she got married in mumbai so the first time i went was the previous year in 2019 um I'd gone to India in about May I was a bridesmaid at her wedding and that was my first initial you know um introduction to the land that is India and let me tell you it was insane first of all um it was so loud because of just the sheer number of people that reside in India it's like you know almost a billion what 0.5 now I think the the population is sitting at Um, So it was extremely loud, like it's just hustle and bustle everywhere. And it's not just because you're at the airport. You know, this is like everywhere you walk down the street, it's hustle and bustle. And then another thing that really shocked me was I come from a land where we follow and we obey traffic rules mostly. You know, Um, in India, everybody just does what they want. They drive in such a way that they've got some kind of communication communication signal is honking. You know, they just pressy hoota the whole time, you know, just beep, 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 beep. And this is everyone driving on the road, you know, scooters included. So it was very loud. And that for me was just like, what what on earth is going on here? You know? And um it was hot. It was so, 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 so hot. Mumbai is so hot. Like Bangalore has better weather than Mumbai. Bangalore has mild weather, you know, it's 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 very like 22, 25 degrees, you know. Mm-hmm. Mumbai gets to your 40s, you know, 40, 42, yeah. 45 type of vibe. It was so, so hot. And I mean, I come from Africa. It shouldn't be a bother, but wow, it was hot. Um yeah. And yeah, so the second time when I went, I um ended up in Bangalore because that's where all the friends and things are at. Um, At Aunt's wedding, I had met a few people and we had decided that we're going to try out our hand at textile design. And, you know, creating the design from, you know, taking over the whole supply chain. So from creating the design with um, different artists from Africa and India and collaborating, and then, you know, um, mixing materials, we're trying to work with a lot of new materials like hemp. um, And a lot of hemp is being, you know, um, made in India. And they've got beautiful ranges of hemp, so you get your 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 cotton like hemp, you get your polyester like hemp, you get your silk like hemp, you get you know you get lots of different um, variations of fabric from hemp. And that was one of the things that we wanted to do. So we had talked about it thing. and then when I now- we went back in uh, March of 2020 just before the world lockdown, um, that was the mission, to get there, you know, have a bit of a conversation um, around um, textile design and, and you know, um, manufacturing. So, and how mm-hmm. we could collaborate and work together as two continents to bring that together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is how I got stuck <laughs> there. Five or oh, 11 days after I was there, we're locked down. Oh, I could not get home.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and for me, I, I, I feel like what you're describing is very much... Um, on the artistic side of things. But you in your career, oh, you yeah. are a brand architect, right? Yes, yes,
1: yes. Um, and that's what I like to
0: myself. <laughs> brand architecture is very uncommon or maybe people do do it, but they don't actually say what it is. Uh, can yeah. you can you delve a bit into saying like, what is brand architecture? What do you have to study to get into it? Or, or what else, what should be your strengths in industry in order to actually get into brand architecture?
1: Um, Brand architecture is sort of like a term that's been coined up amongst amongst, um, brand managers mostly um, to differentiate ourselves from just like normal brand managing, which you can literally study anything for. You can actually study, you know, brand management courses at institutions that offer them. Or you could do um, your marketing courses, PR courses that branch off into brand brand management. Um, But brand architecture for me um, means... You know, brand management is has a lot to do with the management of brands and how they relate to, you know, the consumer. Um, for me, brand architect means the ideation, you know, from the ideation stage of the brand and then developing that into a physical, you know, tangible thing that you can see. So I'm busy sort of... Um, with that process for my own brands. Um right now I got back into the country and I was able to, you know, pick up where I left off. So it goes from the ideation stage to, you know, the physical making of your logos and you know conceptualizing that. And then what your um websites are gonna look like, the brand story behind it, you know, putting that together, the content writing, putting that together together um the actual like content video footage pictures and things you know I'm curating how that's going to look Um, so for me that's what brand architecture means and I think that's you know the funnest stage of brand management um, that we could have so that's that's sort of the stage that I'm focusing on yeah
0: um, with what with what you're doing with brand architecture and what you found in India, with what you're trying to do, we um, you know with with their tapestries and artistry and, and fabrics and all of that, bringing Indian and South African um, uh, t- tastes together. Um, can you say mm. you you've literally found something that is very unique, not at all Indian, not at all, not completely Indian, not completely South African? Could you say you've managed to come up with something um, absolutely unique um, which could be marketed to an international community?
1: Um, I don't know if it's unique because there are products out there that are, you know, um, a, a, that, that are born out of collaborations from um, India and Africa. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that um, the stories that we are trying to tell are unique. Um, yeah. I would say that the approach that we're trying to take, the angle that we're trying to take is unique. Um, we're literally trying to build bridges, you know um between Ooh. our two continents. And um, a lot of things when people talk about building bridges between you know cultures and 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 that that d- d- diverse people, um it, it's usually very superficial. Like we can like trade, you know, traditional stories or you know things like that. But we are literally trying to build like an, an actual bridge where you can pick up something and you know it's it's a textile, it's it's a textile that's been manufactured in India, but designed by, you know, an African, Um, and they sat in the same room or in the same virtual room and, you know, worked on this and, you know, it's now available to you. Um, In the space that I'm working with right now, especially in the textiles um, and the fashion industry, um, there's a lot of brands that do this, but it's a lot of European brands that buy African materials and textiles and designs and then go sell it in Europe for, an insane amount of money and they just slap on a different label but yeah, it's still there's no actual collaboration with the communities there's no you know the people at the bottom you know um are, are, are making money and you know are, are earning a sustainable living and so you know having been immersed in the world of slow fashion while i was in india um i learned a lot about the communities that bring these materials you know to Um, the retail stores and how they live and how they are how they should be protected and how wages are not fair and you know I learned a lot of things like that so that really took um, place in my heart because I saw the same type of thing that happens um, in our African shores you know where people in Ghana are producing such great materials and then people in Europe will come and exploit and you know give them the least while they make the most so it's the same kind of story so I really want to involve you know the 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 layman you know the guy who's chopping up the hemp in the fields like I want him to be okay, lady who goes and weaves this hemp you know and turns it into a beautiful material to be okay, um, I yeah. want their environments to be protected you know so we're taking into account all those things, right now.
0: That is yeah. so beautiful. And, uh, I think that's what makes us unique—the story we're trying to tell. Oh my God, that is absolutely so beautiful. And and when mm-hmm. we're talking economics and people being okay, and we're talking money, obviously, um, would you say yeah, there's a yeah. notable there's a notable difference between the way Indians in India do business and the way South Africans or Southern Africans do business? And I'm being specific when I say Indians in India because I'm um, coming from KZN. There's a very large um, population yes. of, of Indians. <laughs> yes, we have our South African Indians.
1: <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, because I was telling I, a story. A story. <laughs> I was telling uh, my boyfriend a story that um, you know our South African Indians are more South African than they are Indian you know there's like almost no difference they look at him funny while he's over here you know um, <laughs> and they can tell that he's not Indian from South Africa it's the funniest thing
0: <laughs> oh just for <laughs> our listeners to know, when you say he they look at him He, um, your partner is actually with you right now in South Africa and he is indian from india that is correct that is (laughs)
1: correct he's from south india um he's actually a scientist turned rapper turned um entrepreneur that is so cool uh, in bangalore in india so one of the first um sort of sort of the first generation of rappers to emerge from india so him and his crew are like the ogs of hip-hop in india you know they're doing some great stuff out there with south indian rap um Mm. but getting back to your question about our business practices and the fundamental differences from you know the indians in in the continent of india and south africans and yes there is absolutely fundamental differences these people are light years ahead of us in terms of the knowledge that they have about operations Mm -hmm. and you know um accessibility to things like really fast, really cheap internet so you can gain more knowledge of how to run a business and how to do things, you know. Um, People in India don't struggle with those things that we as Africans struggle with. Well, we specifically as South Africans struggle with. You know, our data stories, you know, extremely expensive, very hard to access. Um, You know, I was actually proved this by when I got home, I tried to install a fiber line, a metro fiber line, and, oops, can I mention brand names?
0: Because <laughs> I'm uh, of dog. Names.
1: <laughs> so I tried to install a internet uh, line in the house. And um, to this day, I applied for it on the 22nd, you know. And to this day, I have not gone back. They are having some kind of um, difficulty trying to load my address onto the portal. And I've called everybody that I can possibly call. I've tried getting a hold of care cast managers. I've tried getting a hold of general managers. Nothing has worked. I literally had to go to Vodacom and get one of those, um, you know, LTE mobile situations and kept mm-hmm. Wi-Fi wi- 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 and put it in the house because these guys were just, were just not getting back to me, you know and it's things like that and when we were in india when we moved to our new place my boyfriend and i um he did it in a day he literally called a company called act um he told them his name he told them his address two hours later the guy was in there installing we had internet in three hours you know something that has taken me over a month to do over here you know so it's challenges like that also like operations they've had people um and, and the one thing that I really noticed that was lacking in our South African startups is our lack of mentorship. We don't have mentorship, especially black and brown mentorship. You know, people that have been in operations who have the know-how of how to scale, you know, how to, you know, keep in compliance, you know, just general operations things, you know, who can guide you. We don't have that here. And that's also another thing because we get two stages in, a, in our entrepreneurial journeys and then we have
0: no idea what to do. And now we must go looking for this information. And that is time consuming. Um, thank you so much, Londeka, for that for that insight. Um, it actually is is quite powerful and it actually brings some things into into perspective. But we can mm-hmm. now talk about um, on a lighter note about you being in India. Is there, you know, Indian culture is it's predominantly known to be very patriarchal. Um, mm-hmm. And you are very much on a very feminist wavelength. That's where you're headed. Um, mm-hmm. What What is it about Indian culture? Could you say now you look at yourself as who you are today and say, oh, this is because of the time spent there. This is that two years I spent in India. It has affected me and changed me in such and such a way.
1: Um, I was extremely blessed, uh, to have landed in India and, you know, landed amongst friends and the circle of friendships that we have are very like-minded people. So a lot of the women that we have, even, you know, some of the men, I know men can't be feminists, you know, um, but even some of the men who are actually trying to live a feminist life, um, and a lot of ladies that are in our, you know, in our little bubble are feminists. Um, so, you know, dealing with feminism on, on everyday, you know, patriarchy and feminism on an everyday, um, on an everyday basis in in India wasn't a thing. However, there were elements of patriarchy that would seep in as it always does because it's such an insidious system, um, you know, in and around us, um. For example, my boyfriend's family, very patriarchal. You know, um, my friend, um, Shambhavi's um, parents, you know, she comes from a very patriarchal home and that's sort of what sparked the rebellion and the feminism in her as well. Um, and I have to say, like, there's African, then there's Indian patriarchy and the two are not the same, eh? The okay. two are so not the same. Um, I think Indian patriarchy is so steeped in... In, in their, you know, traditional practices. They're also a very traditionalist, nationalist country, you know? So all those things are gonna come to, 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 to the foreground. Um, and the ladies out there, the, 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 you know, the ladies, the queer people, you know, are doing the most to fight these systems out there. But I really had to buckle up when I got to India because now I wasn't just a black girl living in Africa. Now I was a black girl living in India. And yes, there is a lot of racism. Um, yes, oh, there God. is a lot of patriarchy, so I literally had to put there and you know fight the good fight every single day. It was so exhausting, um, but yeah, it, it it was incredible looking at how you know patriarchy is even uh, you know pushed and protected by the women, you know the older generation of women in India. You know they are the most patriarchal
0: <laughs> of all of them. Because, what did you say? You know, what did you say? Even in Africa. Wouldn't yes. you say even in Africa, the gatekeepers of patriarchy?
1: Absolutely, even in women. Africa. But yeah. I think but I like in this the African women.
0: Sorry. I'm gonna say I, I think it's it's also just um that fear of having to let go of one system and the fear of something new, what to replace it with, especially because feminism has actually been so badly advertised, if I should say that. Um, that, that rebellion against the patriarchy, it's just been so badly advertised that. As like old age traditionalist women, that removing Mm. one system that you've gotten used to, it oppresses you, yes, but you become used to it. And the Mm. replacement, you now have to defend something new. Do you even have the Mm. voice to say, you know, to even stand your ground, which is an advantage I think uh, young women like you and me actually um, have Mm. to we didn't grow up getting used to it. Mm. <laughs> we just grew up with mm. education and being able to say, no, I don't, I'm not comfortable, or no, I don't like it. No, that doesn't feel good. You know, yeah. <laughs> we've had our voice since since we were children, if I should say. But it's still tough nonetheless. Yeah. It is still tough nonetheless. Absolutely. Yeah, I found my famous voice when I was injured because I had to speak, speak up. up,
1: you know, I was compelled to speak up. Um <laughs> Because everything was just kind of compounded, you know, into my experience, you know, I, so I had to draw those lines and those boundaries. And, um, you know, my my boyfriend coming from a very patriarchal home, but also being in contact with a lot of um, feminists, he'd sort of, you know, and, and this is something that I'd mentioned to him as well, that. You know, talking about feminism and living a feminist life and fighting the patriarchy wherever you are, whether in India, Africa, or wherever, um and actually doing something to dismantle it. you know, how do you guys dismantle, you know the system? um because everybody talks a good game, but nobody's really doing anything worthwhile. you know, they're just doing mm-hmm. the barest of minimum, and that's okay. I'm done for the day. I think I've done enough fighting, you know. So, yeah we had to sort of um, create a way in our own home, you know, because of me being African and his parents being, you know, very traditionalist and whatever, we had to create a system in our own home where we were dismantling not just the patriarchy, but like the nationalism, the, the the racism and all those things. So we had a lot of difficult, very uncomfortable conversations about, um, you know, his family, especially because we were there. And yeah, he, he the, this man literally took on the world for me. I love him so much. Um, and oh, wow. he challenged his own family, you know, like he literally gave them an ultimatum and made them choose that it's either you take me with this woman or you don't take me at all. And that was sort of his way of fighting against a system that is just decked up, you know, against all of us. And because of the actions that he took while we were still in India, like his mother also started jumping onto this train, you know, she is now a lot more empowered, you know, not just financially, but like, you know, emotionally and, you know, she's doing great. So once we start dismantling in our own spaces you know people are watching and yeah you know that I believe that's how things spread and movements you know begin that
0: is absolutely so powerful in our own homes <laughs> and th- those yeah, uncomfortable fine, conversations. Yeah. what makes me mm-hmm. happy what makes you happy let's not have to compromise mm-hmm. for those littlest things that are nonsensical when it comes down to it mm-hmm. because who made the rules in the first place that is mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. so so powerful but um you know i want i want to get into something you know th- thinking about how india might have changed yes and how it also adapted to you um you know there's mm. this uh i'll call it international um, perception um that asian countries you know um maybe uh india and sri lanka maybe laos and those yeah, mm. they there in asia um, people come there for this cleansing and eat, pray, love experience. Uh, you, know, ah, like yes. a- <laughs> you, you know, you see that a lot. You see that portrayed a lot in yes. television where people go to find yes. their chi. And, and uh-huh. um, from in your experience, um, being where you were, seeing what you were seeing. Do you think that it's a really realistic thing for somebody to pack a backpack and say, "I'm gonna backpack through India, right down to Nepal, right up to Nepal, and and find my inner"? Do you think that it, it's a journey worth taking, or do you think that that inner healing and that finding oneself is a, is more of an introspection thing wherever you are in the world? And that travel itself, what can it edify to a person's character? How can it edify a person?
1: Um, This is such an amazing question. Um, First of all, I'd like to say Julia Roberts lied to us. She lied to us all. She told us we'd go and find ourselves and eat, pray, love our way into great relationships with Spanish men. It's not true. It's not true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, no, I absolutely think that um, finding oneself and going on any type of, I don't know about it being spiritual, you know, but, you know, any type of inward journey all starts with you. You could find yourself, you know, in your backyard,
0: <laughs>
1: you know, peace could absolutely, your third eye could open, and you could find yourself, you're like, you're sitting right in your backyard. Um, I do believe in travel, though. I absolutely believe in travel. Break your borders, go somewhere, learn cultures, speak to people, learn a different language, because that does enrich your life in ways that, you know, not traveling could ever do. Um, as much as we see, you know, the 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 systems that are us in the world, like your patriarchy and whatever, there's also a lot of beautiful things about a lot of beautiful places. You know, India is a beautiful country. Um, uh, they're, they're people, you know, yes, with problems, but generally overall, really great bunch of people um their languages so diverse I mean in South India alone you've got about a thousand languages and you walk down the street and the dialect has changed you know um yeah you know that people have such interesting and great stories when you get down to having conversations with them and you know we get past all the bull oh I'm oh, sorry I'm cussing on your show my bad um <laughs> when we get past all, you know the, the the biases um that we have and we get down to talking to people I once just like had and I didn't even know we could speak English You know, so I greeted him in Hindi and he was a tea vendor. You know, we have a lot of those in India, just random quarters, you know, tea vendors. And I actually found out that this man, his mother is Namibian and his father is Indian. And somehow they, in, they, were, they used to be very wealthy, you know, through the lines of people. And um, he's got a very deep, you know, connection to Africa. And he was like, you've got dreadlocks. How are you speaking, you know, Hindi? And then he started speaking to me in English. And that's when we found out that actually, hey, his mother's Namibian, his father's Indian. Um, you know, they came back to India and whatever. And unfortunately, sometime during the 80s, the family came through, um, you know, through some calamity. And this is how we ended up being a tea vendor. Um, but his children are working you know um, most of them have gone through university and you know he literally just vents tea you know his children send him money and things they take care of him but he vents tea because he likes speaking to people and he meets his friends there and he's big connections with you know the auto drivers so this is kind of like a side hustle that he does but something that mm-hmm. he loves doing not because he needs to you know he needs the money um, but because he just loves doing you know serving tea and like tea and coffee are a big thing in South India. Another thing that I found out, the history of coffee, like um, they have a very rich history of you know, coffee and tea and things. And yeah, like break your borders. You could find yourself in your backyard, but it it probably would be better finding yourself on top of a mountain in Bhutan somewhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. That was a better story to tell. Like I was standing yeah. right there in the- with the breeze licking across my cheeks yes, it makes um, it makes for a beautiful story it makes for a beautiful story okay. certainly <laughs> um so how how other other than that how how do you feel um being away for so long has has changed you because you know 2 years is a long time and for the most part you didn't come home because there was no option to come home but um in the meantime uh, people move on um people yeah. pass away and yeah. um even the, when you come back, you're hoping I'll be going back to do this and this with so-and-so. Um, so-and-so has not been out there. they no longer it in case Um, So-and-so yeah. is married. And things have just shifted and, and mm. it's no longer the home that you found. And um, to say that you were able to pick up where you left off in terms of business, I think that's, that's absolutely very lucky. But with personal relationships, that mm. tends to be a bit of a problem. How has that affected oh. your ability to form close friendships with people is there a bit of fear is there a bit of um holding back emotionally because you're like you know what what if some what if I move on what if this what you you know what I'm saying how has that affected Mm. you um
1: it definitely changed some of my relationships that I've had um because I think coming back home and meeting some of my old friends and we had planned to do things you know and then them realizing that, no man, this is not the same person I lived in South Africa, you know, two years ago. I got to India and because I was stuck there, generally, I wasn't there for, you know, work, you know. And because I work for myself, I do a lot of free lawn stuff. Um, so there wasn't like a company paying me a salary or anything. I literally landed there with a certain amount of money. I was supposed to be there for three weeks and then, you know, get on the plane and come back. And obviously the money will run out and whatever, but luckily for me, I had a very good safety net of good friends who, you know, allowed me to stay, you know, in their houses and fed me and, you know, gave me internet connection. So I could do something to earn, you know, some money. Um, But yeah. And having to survive in India turned me into something else, you know, it absolutely broke me, but it also absolutely molded me into something. I think that is better, you know, greater, you know, and um, the, the person that I am now is not the person that landed in India, and a lot of my relationships suffered because of that. Um, I've got a bigger perspective, you know, on, on on life in general. I would even say I don't want to blow my own horn, but like I see things a lot um, different, you know, than a lot of people um, who haven't had the opportunity. That I have had to get out there and survive a place for two years. So Mm -hmm. I realized that when I came back, that we're on two different levels, and we're probably speaking two different languages even right now, even though we're all speaking English. Um, The understanding, you know, the 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 fundamental understanding that we had when I left is not the same that we have now. Um, Yeah, and you know, COVID has taken so much. um, My dad being one of those people. In India, I had to watch his funeral on you know, like a WhatsApp live on YouTube. Um oh my word. type of thing. And um I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that is something I'm so, so <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. we had a very complicated relationship. Um, but yeah, I'm okay. Um, my siblings are probably taking it harder than I am. Um, you know, but like it's just one of those things. COVID has taken a loved one from almost everyone, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm a completely different human being and although I have found that the friendships that I've made um, throughout my childhood and, you know, my teenage years and, you know, first years in Vasi and whatever, those are the friendships that have kind of come back, you know, and a lot of people didn't realize that I'd changed so drastically. I don't even think I realized that I changed so drastically until I got back home yeah. um, into the piece yeah. that I am now. I think I'm more prepared. I've fire i'm clearer in vision um yeah there's a lot of things that 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 india has molded me into that i'm actually really proud
0: oh my oh my oh my oh my um thank you so much for going so deep um with, with with the story of your life and how you lost your dad while you were in India and had to watch everything over YouTube. I think you, indeed, you are very correct. COVID has taken so much away from everybody. And for you to actually come up so strong, like you say, you know, now you recognize such a beast in you, you know, clearer thinking, clearer vision and becoming so different and growing in a way that is absolutely so positive. I'd love to hear that. My listeners, I'm sure would love hearing something like that. And, um, overall, I'd like to thank you so, so much Londeka for like, taking the time out to share such, such insights about your life. Um, there's so many things that i have come to learn from, from your journey. And it's, it's a journey of such strength and, and becoming, and it's, it's actually so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. This is the world of words, Um, We are doing a different kind of homecoming, and this was definitely an exceptional kind of homecoming. Thank you so much, Londega Mohammed, for taking time out to join us. And um, should our listeners want to get to know you more, where can they find you?
1: Okay, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, thank you, Tato, for having me. Um, I really hope that this endeavor that you're going on is going to be successful. I pray all the blessings in your life come to fruition. Thank and uh, if people want to get a hold of me, um, I am Laika7007, that's L A W E Q 7007 on Instagram, and Mohammed M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D, M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D on facebook
0: um we are coming through with a brand called wakery wakery a brand called Wakery. Um, look forward to seeing that on her social medias. She has just informed you of what those are. Remember to subscribe yet again. And if you are a first-time listener, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you do subscribe. And to everybody else who's been following us, thank you. Thank you so very much. And this is a different kind of homecoming with the world of words. Thank you to everybody. Until next time.